Good morning again. It really is a delight to see each of you and good to gather together. Last week we looked at Gabriel's announcement to Mary and we talked about God's perfect timing. We saw how the angel who told Daniel when exactly the Messiah would come was the very same angel, Gabriel, who told Mary that the Messiah has arrived. We learned that Jesus was born of a virgin just as the Isaiah prophet Isaiah had said that he was a descendant of David fulfilling that promise of a kingdom that would endure forever, that he was begotten, not made, fully God and fully man. Jesus showed up at just the right time to just the right people in just the right way. God's timing is perfect. And not only that, God's message is clear. He knows just when to show up, but he also knows just when to speak up. And when he does, his message is unquestionably clear. That's what we're going to look at together this morning. So before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the fact that your message is unquestionably clear, that you don't hint to things, you speak them clearly, especially when it comes to the message of the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, and the salvation that is found in him alone. That is clear. So Lord, as we open up your word and look at a familiar story, give us a fresh set of eyes. Just through your spirit, would you help us to see things that maybe we've overlooked before that really mean something to us today? We would ask this in your name and for your glory. Amen. So if you would, turn to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at a familiar passage together. So Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, if you want to read along with me. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. If you would have read a little bit earlier in the previous verses, you would have found the explanation of why this young couple from Nazareth ends up in Bethlehem. And we know that they're there because of a census that required them to return to their family home. And since Joseph was from the line of David, he returned to the city of David, which was Bethlehem. We know that outside the city of Bethlehem, there were shepherds keeping watch of their flocks. But I need you to understand that these aren't just any shepherds and these aren't just any sheep. In all likelihood, these were sheep destined for sacrifice at the temple. These shepherds had been set apart for a most important responsibility. They were to guard and protect these sheep so that they would remain without spot or blemish for that responsibility. Now, don't let that pass by you, okay? Because think about this. The shepherds who were in charge of the sheep who would be without spot or blemish, are the ones that the angel announced the Savior, the Lamb of God, who would be without spot or blemish, 
and become the sacrifice that would end all sacrifices. It's not a coincidence. These are no ordinary sheep. These are no run-of-the-mill shepherds. That being said, shepherds in general were on the low end of the social scale. They had a dirty job, and they were often outcasts in society because of it. In fact, how many of y'all have watched the show Dirty Jobs, right? It's a great show. I love that show. And one of the things that Mike Rowe does is he tries to bring attention to jobs that are otherwise overlooked but yet are very, very important. And he brings value to those, doesn't he? Well, I think if Mike Rowe was filming episodes during the time of Christ, he would have talked to the shepherds. It was an important job, but it was a thankless job because sheep are just not very sharp. Sheep have to be guided to where there's water in order for them to drink. They have to be taken and led out to pasture in order for them to eat. They have to, you have to keep a close eye on them because they're prone to wander off. And they're essentially defenseless, which means they're on the menu of every predator that's around. So shepherds have to be strong. They have to be devoted. They have to be humble. Because very few people want to do what they are required to do. So the shepherds are in the fields outside of Bethlehem, tending the sheep who will be sacrificed at the temple. And in the midst of the mundane, God does something amazing. He sends an an angel of the Lord who stood before the shepherds. And in that moment, they were covered by the light of God's glory. I just want you to picture that in your mind's eye for just a little bit, because remember, we're talking about outside the the city of Bethlehem, and back then they didn't have street lights and things that would take away the night sky. It was pitch black. And then all of a sudden, there was a bright light. Verse 9 says that in response, the shepherds were terribly frightened. In other words, they were terrified. At what was going on. It's probably much like we see with Isaiah in chapter 6, verse 5, when he too was confronted with the presence of the Lord. And in response, he said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. I'm live among, I, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I, I live among a people of unclean lips. I'm sure the shepherds felt just the same way as Isaiah did. They didn't know what was going on, but they were pretty sure that they would not live through it. And so the angel brings comfort and says, don't be afraid. Because God wasn't revealing himself to bring judgment for their sins. God was revealing the one through whom their sins would be forgiven. That's why it's good news of great joy. And notice that it's good news for all the people. Not just some of the people. Not just a special class of people but all the people. This is for anyone who is willing to put their trust in God, whether they're a shepherd or they're a king. This is the one God promised to send, and his communication could not be more clear. He says, For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you, notice how personal it is, born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Talk about something as packed with meaning. He says he's a savior. He's one who came 
to save. It reminds me of what the angel told Joseph when he said, he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to rescue captives, to rescue us from our sin. He is our Savior, Christ the Lord. So if Savior is what He does, Christ the Lord is who He is. The word Christ literally means anointed one. He is the promised Messiah. He's the Redeemer. And most importantly, He is God. He is Lord. That lines up with the prophecy of Zechariah earlier at the end of chapter 1, verse 68. Zechariah begins by saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited us and accomplished redemption for His people. God is the one who personally accomplishes redemption for His people. The angels are announcing a most incredible truth. Jesus is our Emmanuel, God with us. The clarity of God's communication is unquestionable, and his confirmation is just as clear. Look at verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. You'll notice the shepherds have been given a personal invitation to see God's miraculous provision. The angel tells the shepherds a sign has been given to you, to you, the shepherds, the low ones on the social scale, the ones in charge of the sheep to be sacrificed at the temple. He's given a sign to you. If you look, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This is the one God promised. This is the one for you. But wait a second. Didn't we just get through saying that Jesus is the Savior who is Christ the Lord? Why is the King of Kings placed in a manger, a feeding trough for animals? Shouldn't he be in a palace? Among royalty? Well, if that were true, he could not have been approached by the shepherds. The only way they could approach the Savior is if he is just like them. He must live among the common people in order to be accessible by all the people, whether they're a leper or a king, a paralytic, a prostitute, or a Pharisee. He brings good news of great joy for all the people, whoever they may be. And if that's not already enough, we learn there that the angel is joined by a heavenly host who now appears before the shepherds, and they break out in song. And I believe what they are doing on earth is exactly what they do perpetually in heaven, giving praise and honor to God for all that he has done. And to be honest, I think it's what we'll do when we get there too. 
And I think the praise that they give on that day is in response to the announcement that they heard from the angel of the Lord. This is not only news to the shepherds, I think it's news to the heavenly host as well. And the reason I believe that is because what we read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, listen to what this says. It says, and to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries. In other words, the prophets were looking for the details that were repeated over and over again in the Old Testament about who the promised Messiah would be. Seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you. By the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, and here it is, things in which angels long to look. Did you get that? The angels long to see what we now know to be true. Jesus is the means by which God fulfills his promise to bring salvation to the world. It is his death and resurrection that brings to us the gift of eternal life. As John says at the end of the gospel, of his gospel, everything written or revealed was so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing in Him, you might have life in His name. And so when the angels left, the shepherds didn't waste any time. They, at great risk, left their sheep into the fields and then made their way to find the Savior. And what they find was just what God had promised. Having believed what they had said, they followed where they were told to go. See, they didn't see in order to believe. They believed, and so they went to go see. Turn to verse 17 in our passage. It says, when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying And praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as has been told to them. When we truly encounter Jesus, we cannot remain silent. The shepherds saw Jesus, and then they immediately told others what they had seen and heard. And what they told them was not some personal interpretation of what they thought might be going on. They told them exactly what they had seen and heard. They told them that Jesus is the Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's what they said. He is the one God promised. He is the one that we need. And his is the name that we proclaim. And when the people heard this message, it says that they they wondered. It's a word that describes marvel or astonishment. It's actually a word that's filled with hope. It kind of has the question, could this be true? Because remember, this is not new information to the Jewish audience because the prophecies of a promised Messiah are repeated all throughout the Old Testament. Everyone was wondering, is Jesus that promised Messiah? That's what they were wondering about. And then in verse 19, though, we see something different when it comes to the description 
of Mary. Instead of wondering, as the other people were, it says that Mary was treasuring and pondering. Those two words have completely different meaning. To treasure means to guard or protect. To ponder means to give careful consideration. So instead of wondering if it was true, like the people were doing, Mary knew that it was true because of all that she had been told. Because this is just more information on top of what she had already been, what had already been revealed to her. Because we'll rem- you'll remember when we looked at what Gabriel had said, he said that she would conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit and that that child would be great and be called the Son of the Most High. That he would come from that line of David and his kingdom would endure forever. I'm sure that she talked to Joseph who told her what the angel had said to him, that he would save his people from their sins. And then she heard from Zechariah when he prophesied and said this would be the redeemer of all his people. So the shepherds just now add to what she had already known to be true, that Jesus is the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So when you put all these together, you can see why she was pondering and treasuring what she had heard. Because God is speaking with absolute clarity. Is there any question whatsoever about who Jesus is at this point? There's not, is there? It's unquestionably clear. And you can see as a result of that why the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God and telling everyone what they had seen and heard. Jesus is the Messiah God promised. He is the Savior that we need. And it's his name that we proclaim. During this season of Advent, I think that's something that we need to ponder as well. In fact, let's do that. Let's just take some time to ponder how what we just looked at in this very familiar passage, how it might apply to us as well. Because I think if you look at our passage, you're going to see an important pattern. And this is the way I would describe it. First, you have the angels. And they taught God's truth to the shepherds. Now, you see the same thing with Mary and Joseph and Zechariah. God's word was spoken to God's people. For God's glory. And those who received that word in faith treasured it in their heart. They they pondered how it might apply to their lives, what it might mean to them. And then they told others what they had learned. They shared with others what they had seen and heard. They were taught. They They treasured. And then they told. And I think what's true for them applies equally to us. And I want you to understand something. Every single time you open this book and read these words, God is speaking to you. He's speaking to you. Just like he spoke to the angels that day, God is speaking to you through the truth of his word. And he declares how that truth applies directly to your life. It can bring encouragement. And sometimes it can bring conviction. But whatever it is, God wants us to understand, just as he did with the shepherds, that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He is the Savior that we all need. That's what he wants us to see. What God is saying to you is what he wants you to tell to others. Growing in Christ is not some individual effort. It's not a 
personal pursuit. It's a group project. It's to be lived out in community. Everything we learn is a message that God intends us to share with someone else. In fact, Terry mentioned something to me this week that I think probably applies to most of us in this room. And she talked about how just because of all that's going on in the world, it's easy to kind of feel spiritually dry. And then she kind of made a, 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 what I think is a really important insight. She said, you know, I think it might be because we're just not able to be in community as we normally have been. And so I don't necessarily get to tell people what God is teaching me, and I don't hear from them what God is teaching them. And and so this separation and isolation can stunt our spiritual growth. We really need to find ways to stay connected and tell one another what we have seen and heard from the Lord. We need to be taught. We need to treasure, and we need to tell, just like we see with the shepherds, glorifying God and praising Him for all that we have seen and heard. So in the midst of all the chaos and uncertainty, we need to tell about God's sovereignty. In the midst of all the failure, we need to talk about God's forgiveness. In the midst of all the suffering and grief, we need to tell about the hope that is found in Christ. Amen? Let me give you some of the words that we're going to sing here in a little bit as we close in song. And I want to do this because I think a lot of times when we sing songs, we don't necessarily pay attention to the importance of the words. And so I want you to do that before we sing it to make it come alive to you some more. This is what we're going to sing together. Listen to these words. Go spread the news of Emmanuel. Joy and peace for the weary heart. Lift up your heads, for your king has come. Sing, for the light overwhelms the dark. Glory shining for all to see. Hope alive, let the gospel ring. God has made a way, he will have the praise. Tell the world his name is Jesus. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for declaring your truths in ways that are unquestionably clear. Thank you for helping us see without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Savior that we all need, and that he came to the lowest of the lows, to the highest of the highs, because every one of us needs salvation through him alone. So Father, as we sing and celebrate the birth of Christ, our Savior, let us not lose sight of how much we still need all those truths today that we need to be taught, that we need to treasure, and that we need to tell. Thank you, Lord, for the truths of your word, and we pray this in your name. Amen. If you would stand, let's sing together. God has made a way, and his name is Jesus. That's good news, right? So go and tell. I told the first service, and I want to remind you, I think the more familiar a story is to us, the more we get distanced from it and it becomes something that applies somewhere else and not to us. But I hope in some way this morning you were reminded that everything that happened to the angels has happened to you. Just as he made himself known to the angels, he's made himself known to you. Just as he spoke truth to the angels and declared who the Messiah is, that has been declared to you. 
And so don't let the familiar story take you away from the personal application of how God has spoken to you. For you, to you a Savior has been born. It's just as personal to us as it was to them, right? So when you know that truth and that truth transforms your life, you can't help but tell other people about it. And this is the time of year where we need to do that more and more and more. So go tell that story and let that truth be known. Pray for us. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being together as your people called by your name. We are grateful that you have made yourself known, that you have sent a Savior that was born for us so that he might die for us to forgive our sins so that we might have the gift of eternal life. And may we tell that story over and over again. Pray this in your name. Amen. Have a great day.